Welcome, everybody. This is episode number 44, the orange episode. Let's go, Q's, of the Glass City Game Time podcast. My name is Corey Crisson. This week, we are talking football in Northwest Ohio, both high school and college football news coming out in the college world, which we'll get to a little bit later regarding the Big Ten. But this week, high school football week two is massive in terms of conference races. It's a six-week schedule. So here we go, one-third of the way through the season. And joining me to talk about that is Blade Sports columnist David Briggs. What's going on, Briggsy? How are we living today? I'm not bad, Corey. How are you doing? I'm chilling. I just wish the weather was a little nicer. It's a little rainy right now, but, I mean, we had a wild week one in high school football. This week figures to be a lot more wild. Big rivalries coming to fruition, coming to the fields in Northwest Ohio. It's going to be a slugfest at Central Catholic. It's going to be a true dogfight at Anthony Wayne. Those are the two big games that we're going to talk about. Briggsy, you're going to be at Central Catholic this weekend. St. John's at Central Catholic, both teams 1-0. and Perrysburg at Anthony Wayne in the Northern Lakes League, both teams 1-0. and And let's start with this St. John's and Central matchup. Both teams, St. John's rolling over St. Francis last week. Central Catholic flexed its muscle last week. What's kind of your little snapshot preview of this Central and St. John's game? Yeah, it should be big. I mean, I would say this is, you probably have the two biggest games of the year in the area this week with Central St. John's um, at Central and then, you know, Perrysburg, Anthony Wayne, you know, those are, those are some of the games too, where we'll really remind you of, of how weird this year is. I mean, Central St. John's top two teams in the, uh, in the track this year in a normal year. I mean, got Gallagher stadium, which would be absolutely rocking. You'd have a huge, Central Catholic has probably the best tailgate scene in the area, kind of outside the stadium there. It looks like a, a college atmosphere, and uh, so it'll be, uh, it'll certainly be unique. And with Perrysburg, Anthony Wayne, I think you would have had a, an absolutely monster crowd for, for that as well. Um, but yeah, looking at uh, looking at the game, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, for the last decade, you know, Whitmer has kind of been the uh, the top challenger for Central Catholic in the track. Um, this year it looks like it's St. John's with Brady Lichtenberg, the Cincinnati commit at quarterback. Um, you know, and, and Thomas Zyros is his big-time target um, who's going to Toledo. Just have a great offense, very strong all-around team. Demolish St. Francis in the opener, and St. Francis is supposed to be very, very solid this year as well. So certainly looks like St. John's is for real, and especially with a younger Central Catholic, or inexperienced, I should say, Central Catholic defense early in a strange year, I would not be surprised if if, uh, if St. John's really really does some damage um, offensively. Um, not saying I would I would pick St. John's to win, but it should be uh, it should be some kind of game. What did Lee Corso say on all of those uh, college game day preview shows? Closer than the experts might think. Looking from last week, Central Catholic a fifty-five to nothing win over Lima Senior, a strong showing for them, and then. St. John's 40-13 to over St. Francis. And you mentioned the quarterback play for St. John's with Brady Lichtenberg, but let's not leave Bishop Vargas out of the conversation here with Central Catholic. Very good quarterback, and, and Prentice Reason over 
running the football. He had a couple of touchdowns last week. Does this game feel like it's going to be a slugfest, or what do you think? I, I hate using the term keys to the game because I think it's the most overused, overran term in sports history. But what do you think one of these keys to the game are for either offense to get going? Keys to the game, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, Central Catholic has just had one dominant defense after another over the last decade, and and really even even beyond. But especially since 2012, Central's just the golden era of a golden era. It's just been, um, you know, it, it's pretty remarkable what they've done. And you know, and Greg Dempsey will will have uh, will be throwing everything everything possible at. Um, at Brady Lichtenberg, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, sometimes you, you know, I think St. John's probably has enough talent to get by it. It reminds me of, in a, in a way, a little bit, not, not putting anyone at, at Joe Burrow's level, but when you look at the 2014 state championship game, Central Catholic against Joe Burrow's team, you know, they, they threw everything, everything in the kitchen sink at, Joe Burrow, and he still could do no wrong. He was that good. You know, Brady Lichtenberg, certainly the, the top quarterback talent in our area. I don't know if he'll be, as, especially as a senior, will be phased by just kind of the diabolical machinations of, you know, Greg Dempsey's defense. And they're, they're going to they're gonna bring the house. They're going to throw a lot at him in disguise coverages and, and, and do everything. But if there's anybody in this area who can handle it, I would, it's, it's got to be, you know, Brady Lichtenberg, a Division One quarterback, a senior with a big-time receiver, with a good offensive line, just kind of built for these moments, especially possibly against an inexperienced defense. And I believe last year in one of their meetings, St. John scored, I think, 26 points. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't know if I'm ready to say it would, will be a slugfest, but I uh, I do expect some points to be scored. You, know, you mentioned Lichtenberg and what he can do offensively. Last week, five touchdown passes as St. John's racked up 410 yards of offense. He threw those five touchdowns to four different receivers. Fill in the blank here, Briggs. Brady Lichtenberg is the best quarterback in this area since who? Well, I mean, that's that's hard to say. I mean, we just had Deshaun Kaiser a few years ago, and, you know, he was one of the top top quarterback recruits in the country out of Central Catholic and going to Notre Dame and then, and then and not to, not to swerve off topic here, but, but after Deshaun's second year at Notre Dame, I mean, a lot of people were talking about him as a potential number one pick in the draft. Um, if he followed up with another big year at, at Notre Dame. So I would say, yeah, it's, it's just hard to say. I mean, certainly, you know, I'm, you know, Brady Lichtenberg's numbers are, are bigger than Deshaun's and, but uh, yeah, I guess it would just be, uh, you know, how you're defining best quarterback in the area. But this area certainly has had a lot of them, you know. Even if you look back at the all-blade teams over the last 25 years, you know, you start with Ben Roethlisberger down in Finlay. So we've had a lot of good ones. Deshaun Kaiser would be the most recent big-time guy. But, and, you know, obviously you have Riley Keller at uh, at Whitmer as well. But if we're talking just, you know, recent years, it would have to be Kaiser. That's speaking volumes, I think, to Lichtenberg for, for those that maybe haven't been following uh, St. John's football and maybe are unaware of the talent that Lichtenberg has, which, you know, around here, I think that's a pretty pretty foregone thing. Brady Lichtenberg is special, and certainly throughout the season and as we get into next year, we'll see how, we, how things progress as he gets to the college level. Let's talk about Anthony Wayne and Perrysburg. The marquee game in the NLL pretty much this year 
I feel like this game could settle who wins that conference. What say you? Oh, sure. I mean, I think that would be the that would be the prediction. Um, you know, on most fronts, if uh, if I recall correct, this game's at Anthony Wayne, right? This game is at Anthony Wayne. Yeah, no, I, I remember last year it was kind of setting up as, as one of the games of the year, and then kind of uh, this, this would have been perfectly 2020 for last year, but they just got a, just a monsoon of a downpour um, and just kind of, you know, really put a really put a damper on the crowd. But, no, absolutely. I think this is the, the game of the year between, you know, Anthony Wayne has kind of uh, emerged as a, a powerhouse in, in northwest Ohio since, since Andy Brungard took over. He was a former coordinator at Perrysburg, um, and when they had a lot of great teams, you know, four or five years ago, well, they've had great teams for a while, but Brungard was certainly a a big part of their success as well, and now he's come over to Anthony Wayne, huge district, a lot of talent, just kind of needed, it seems like he's kind of helped take that program to the next level to, uh, you know, make it one of the, the three or four best programs in the area, and then Perrysburg, you know, always, always very strong. And, you know, this year is no different. But, yeah, absolutely. I think this game will decide the league, especially in a six-game schedule. Yeah, it approaches so rapidly. And really, across the board throughout the area, there are games that that could be the same thing. You know, looking at Eastwood and Otsego as another matchup. But looking at this Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne matchup, Perrysburg's offense really shined last week, 45-18 to over Springfield at Springfield. And... Quarterback Christian Golgan had touchdown passes, 35 yards, 13 yards, 10 yards, and he ran for another 70. So good quarterback play from Perrysburg. You got that stout defense with Anthony Wayne. Anthony Wayne, just a, a massive win last week against Northview, 35-3. to What gives here? How does Perrysburg get through that Anthony Wayne defense? <laughs> That's a great question, and I'll, uh, I'll leave that one to the experts. I'm not, I'm not qualified to <laughs> break down the uh, the Perrysburg, uh, especially. It's funny this this season is especially strange. You know, even though we're, we're focusing more on high school football, you're kind of you were kind of settled in a. You know, I think I think it was most people kind of figured we wouldn't have a season, and then you're trying to learn about all these teams at the last minute, and it's it's just been a it's just been an interesting year. But I would say again, I mean, I think you you hit the nail right there in terms of uh, you know. What's going to give a strong offense versus a great defense? And it should be fascinating. I mean, these are these are two powerhouse teams in our area. 100%. Do you have a prediction for these two games for this weekend? I would predict – I mean, I'm definitely predicting Anthony Wayne, Central Catholic. I would feel fairly confident in those predictions. Um, not sure about a score yet. Let me uh, Let me chew on that one. You got the two winners, though. That's the important thing. No, absolutely. Uh, you gotta, you gotta give me the betting line, Corey. So let's let's look into our colleagues' predictions in the Friday forecast. This is a, I guess, semi-spoiler. These are going to be released on Thursday along with the podcast. So if you haven't checked those out, maybe this is a spoiler. So our staff, our colleagues, there are four of them: uh, Ashley Bastock, Steve Junga, Mark Monroe, and Kyle Rowland. Uh, they're going chalk on the Central Catholic game. All four believe Central Catholic come away with the victory. And then in Perrysburg, Anthony Wayne, three out of four are in on Anthony Wayne. Mark Monroe believes Perrysburg pulls off the win by a field goal. Okay, okay. No, I hear you. I hear you. My favorite part about the 
and this isn't a criticism at all. I, I mean, I love the predictions, but I like that we give the scores too. It's just like even if even if you expect like there's going to be a huge blowout, or you're really going to pick a huge blowout, like I mean, come on, we're dealing with these coaches and these kids. I think we always tend to uh, to wanna wanna think these are all going to be great close games that'll be great to cover. So, and I don't I don't blame them. We're uh, I think we're all hoping for the same thing. Yeah, I won't give a spoiler on the scores, but except that one that, that Mark picked Perrysburg to win by a field goal. So, again, maybe closer than some might think. Uh, Briggsy, while we have you here, I also want to talk a little Big Ten football. And your column that ran in Wednesday's edition of The Blade, we talk about how the Big Ten has handled this situation quite often when it comes to playing fall football. And whether... Those that believe that Kevin Warren handled this well or didn't, a lot of people believe that didn't that he didn't. Spoiler. Um, right now, we are in the territory of the President of the United States apparently talking with the Commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, about starting the football season in the Big Ten. David, you have the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just when you think 2020 can't get any stranger – you know, you have the leader of the free world kind of, kind of throwing his muscle around to to help get Big Ten football started. And yeah, it's really interesting, especially as a political play. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a no risk game for for President Trump in the sense that you know if you if you make this call and you put the pressure on the Big Ten, and by some chance you are able to play football this year, not necessarily attributing it to to Trump or or whatever, but if you do you know, speed up the schedule and, and start later this fall, you know, President Trump can, can take credit and that will play really well in the Midwest swing states, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, you know, I think it's notable that he didn't mention, he has not mentioned the Pac-12, which is obviously more left-leaning and a, a little less political utility to him. I don't think there's, you know, he, he wants the Big Ten to play more than the Pac-12. Obviously, you know, there's everything's a political play at this point by by all politicians. So it's not it's not saying anything one side or the other. But and then by the same token, if they don't play football, you know, Trump can say, you know, I came in and and did all this, and then he sets Kevin Warren up to be even bigger punching bag, and the and the quote unquote liberal college presidents they'll they'll take all the blame for this. So it's uh, it's kind of a win win situation for Trump politically certainly understand why he did it um it's uh you know you can feel however you want to feel about it but it's uh, i guess it's just par for the course for 2020 no matter how we slice it really rough day really rough 48 hours i will say for the stick to sports crowd and the stick to politics crowd oh my goodness right let's pretend that sports and politics have never crossed over before no, absolutely. As uh, as our friend Doug Lee Maurice of the Plain Dealer tweeted, he uh, he said, "You know what? I think, you know what? I think Twitter was really lacking was more more political writers tweeting about sports and sports writers tweeting more about politics. So uh, we're, we're uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I don't uh, I always kind of and not to not to go off on a, a tangent, but it, it does always amuse me when." People say, stick to sports, I want things the way they used to be. I mean, sports and politics have always been completely intertwined. Obviously, you have new 
culture wars and new battlegrounds and, and new issues, certainly the flag and the anthem and, and, and everything there, that's, uh, that's it's more of a, a new issue when you're, when you're talking about mass kneeling. Um, but, you know, sports and politics has, have been around since the, since the beginning of time. I mean, even, even as I wrote in my column today, you know, you know, Woody Hayes used to influence elections big and small. You know, Richard Nixon credited, um, you know, Woody Hayes' support for his upset win in 1960 over JFK in Ohio. And he's the, he's the, Nixon is the only guy who didn't win the presidency but carried Ohio since World War II. And he attributed that to Woody. And then he, Woody stumped for Nixon in 68 and 72. And obviously Nixon won those elections. But it's just uh, imagine that happening today. I mean, it's uh, it's just uh, it's just interesting to see. I understand why people want sports to be their distraction. I think we all do. I think we all do in a way. I mean, it's kind of an escape from the real world. But when these issues are just kind of right there in front of you, it's hard to. Uh, I don't really know what you want people to do. I mean, just to just ignore everything there. So I don't know. I. I appreciate you know kind of all opinions here but just an interesting time so well first off i appreciate your commentary and i appreciate your comments on that because these are discussions now if the president's interjecting himself this is a conversation we need to have this is obviously an important issue now where does the big 10 go from here because like you said it seems like it's a win-win no matter what for president trump and his campaign for re-election, and I'm not trying to make this a political thing too much. I, by, I got a great column on one of my columns today. It said, this should be in sure. the opinion pages. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just, but anyway. Yeah. But, but no, seriously, I mean, where does the Big Ten go from here? How can they possibly win in this scenario? What's the end game here for the Big Ten then? Because they didn't ask the president to interject himself into this conversation. Right. No, the Big Ten is in a very difficult spot. Um, you know, if you if you don't play and the other leagues play on, certainly if the other leagues play on and it's relatively responsible and it's not a stop and start season, you kind of have an honest go at it. Then, sure, the Big Ten will look bad, and there will be a lot of lost revenue and a lot of hard feelings and division among the league, especially between the presidents and the athletic directors and coaches, the latter group that really wants to play this season. So yeah, if you don't play, you know, I don't, it's, I think we all traffic in hyperbole in the moment to say like, this will be irreparable and, and all that's nonsense. I mean, once you get back to normal next year, hopefully I, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be fine, but it's a difficult situation if you don't play but at the same time, if you somehow give in, it's going to look like an all-time political capitulation. You're giving in to the players and the parents and the football interests, and it'll look like you're, you're kind of kowtowing to the president. And I know that's certainly a – that would be a very sensitive perception by the academic side. Um, you know, they made this decision. As I, I've said all along, I mean, I thought it was – a you know, the spirit of their decision and the intention of their decision is sound. The execution and the timing and the rollout was a disaster. But I feel, I mean, I, I do believe this decision was made with good intentions. It wasn't to, 
prevent the players from forming a union. It wasn't political. The, the suggestion that the Big Ten shut down football as a political move is just one of the more crazy perceptions of all time. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar operation that they're just willing to tank because they want to they want to use their uh, their their disaster and, and laying off half their departments for political gain. I don't I don't even know where to begin on that one. But yeah, either way either way it'll be difficult. I think the one way that the Big Ten could maybe do this and save face is if they work with the president to get some of this you know some of this federal stockpile of rapid response testing um, with uh, you know that the FDA just approved. I think it's from Abbott Labs. The government bought 150 million of these tests that cost five dollars each. They return results within 15 minutes at a 97 percent accuracy rate. Given the logistics and the contact tracing protocols and all the just the hurdles that it, that it was going to take to play a season and that presidents were rightfully concerned of, if you could somehow pitch these tests as a total game changer, you could test almost daily, you could have these rapid response tests, you know, you could test individuals right before high contact practices, right before games. That would be the biggest hurdle to having a season to me, and it would be eliminated. So if you could somehow pitch, you know, these, you suddenly got an infusion of, of these rapid response tests and that you could pitch that as a game changer that would make a season responsible and something that, that, you know, completely changed the dynamic here. So if you could somehow work that, I could see, you know, you starting a season later in October or November, but you you would just have to. I mean, you would certainly have a lot of convincing to do of what's changed. This is definitely a situation you can't cowboy your way out of. If the Big Ten's going to come back, and boy, that would be a a story for the ages for the Big Ten to go back on its word, saying they would not revisit and this would not be a discussion for the future. Uh, you know, based on whatever pressure or one way or the other. It would be a very interesting storyline to follow. But right now, it's interesting enough in the sense that we have political involvement and uh, the conversation has restarted. So we'll see what the developments are. David, thanks for the time this week. We appreciate it. Do you have any final word to get in, whether it's about football or anything else that's going on in your life? No, I think I'm good. I think we're all just hanging in there and glad high school football is back. I mean, I was at, uh, I covered the. Um, Liberty Center Wauseon game which was kind of the you know the biggest game of week one in the Northwest Ohio Athletic League, um, and just kind of one of those one of those small town scenes that that really uh, really just feels like the spirit of high school football in Ohio kind of galvanizes both towns in a normal year. You probably would have had four thousand plus people there, so I just kind of went to you see how uh, see the weird but yet somewhat normal aspect of the scene. It was, uh, and as I kind of wrote, I mean, I don't think no matter what we all think of whether football should be played or not, I think we're all happy for the kids who are getting this chance and certainly hope it goes well and, and are ready for some more football, uh, including in the NFL coming up. So we'll see with the Big Ten. 
Yeah, we will. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the storylines that develop from this. And of, and of course, hopefully we can continue this high school football season and realistically the whole fall sports season as safely as possible. That's the number one thing here. So, uh, David, thanks for the time today. We'll talk to you relatively soon. And uh, again, stay safe. Awesome. You too. Thanks, man. There you go. Thanks again, Briggsy. And thank you for listening, those that tuned in this week, to episode number 44, the orange episode, by the way, in honor of Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, and Floyd Little, all who wore number 44 back in the day for Syracuse football. The great Jim Brown, the greatest college football player ever. That's not my ranking. That's ESPN. They ranked it last year. They ranked the best college football player ever, not from Ohio State, not from Michigan, but from football school Syracuse. How about that? Thank you for listening to this episode 44 of Glass City Game Time. If you enjoyed the show or want to go back to listen to previous episodes, there are plenty of ways for you to do that. You can find us every week on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Glass City Game Time and you will find us. Please leave a like rating and please subscribe if you have not done so yet. We greatly appreciate that. And those go a lot further than you might think. So, for David Briggs, my name is Corey Crisson. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.